Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. All right, everybody. Welcome to the People First and Profit podcast. I am here today with digital marketing expert, Ronan Walsh. Hi, Ronan. How are you doing today? Good, Don. Uh, thanks for having me. You bet. You guys can tell by the sound of his voice that he is officially at, uh, I think, episode 12, my furthest away guest. He is chatting with me from the Emerald Isle of Ireland. So, Ronan, thank you for joining me. I'm going to start today by reading your bio so that the audience knows a little bit about your history. And then we're going to deep dive into digital marketing and how sort of digital marketing efforts and traditional marketing tactics meet. How's that sound? Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Ronan has been working in digital marketing, specifically SEO, for close to 10 years, and today is hopefully going to help you understand the digital marketing landscape a little better. Starting off as a freelancer helping agencies, Ronan saw the many service level agreements weren't being met and so went out to start his own agency, Digital Trawler, in 2018. They specialize in SaaS or SaaS marketing, which is software as a service. Ronan is also a lecturer in digital marketing in his hometown and loves nothing more than helping others with their marketing. Now, Digital Trawler as a software as a sales marketing agency is based in Ireland and helps companies with their marketing strategy and messaging with experts in SEO, paid adverts, social media, and conversion rate optimization. That was a mouthful and I'm excited to break it down again. Thanks for being here, Ronan. Thank, thanks for the intro. And uh, yeah, so I like, you know, while we're based in in Ireland, that's where, where I am, but our team is actually quite international. So where we've got our project manager is located in France. We have a content expert in Berlin. We have an SEO expert in Greece and we have a, a paid ads expert in um, based over in London. So we, we're really kind of like we complement our software as a service clients that we're quite internationally found. And we've, uh, we've a, a, a group of experts from around the world, really, who are specialists in their field. I love everything about that because you're in a space where in, in the world of digital, there are no borders. There are no barriers. You can work yeah. any time of the day or night. You can, I mean, all of the software as a service out there that create communication opportunities for you all. It may be middle of the night. In fact, you and I took advantage of that in a sense. We weren't marketing per se, but by using Google Drive and different things, you were sleeping while I was working and vice versa. And so, and yet we were still able to do that. And I want to point out for those of you that are listening, the reason that I'm happy to chat with Ronan today is because the principles that he understands and the areas in which he's an expert apply to so many different niches and different disciplines. It's not just software as a service. That's just his specialty. But after chatting with him and he kind of blew my mind in a couple of different ways with how as a relationship marketer and somebody that believes fundamentally in, in building strong relationships and connecting in bonds, there has to be a marriage between that and digital marketing. So let's talk about marketing in the digital age, Ronan. Yeah. So I suppose when we started talking as well, it's like the first thing that I said to you was that, you know, Google and Facebook and all of these Snapchat, Reddit, whatever 
platform you, you put yourself in front of, they're, they're mediums. Mm-hmm. And when you're studying business in when we were all 15 and 16 in school, the mediums back then were newspapers and television and flyers that you, you handed out around the neighborhood. Uh, so the platforms have changed, but the tactics are still the exact same. So you still need to create trust. You still need to people to buy into your brand. You still need all of that theory that comes before you ever create an ad. And if you get that wrong, it doesn't matter what platform you put it on, whether it's newspaper or Facebook or, or Google or you're handing out flyers. If you get that messaging wrong, your ads aren't going to work. And so that's that's where it comes down. I love that you just separated the medium from the message, right? So whether you were handing out a flyer in the old days or posting an ad in the paper or an ad in the yellow pages, or whether you're putting something out on Facebook, the medium may have changed, but the principles in the message are the same. Is, did I get that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that a lot of people struggle to get their head around that. It's, you know, like people are like, oh, well, marketing has been completely turned on its head, but marketing hasn't. But the way we actually reach our customers has. And there's a lot of what I'm finding at the minute from being a lecturer and owning an agency, people are really confused and they're thinking that marketing has completely changed and they're finding people who are great at using Google and they're great at using Facebook, but they don't have that basic knowledge that you need in order to get a campaign together. So let's talk about then the traditional marketing elements. You and I talked a little bit about things like the marketing funnel and the marketing flywheel. Why don't we introduce the audience to those two things? Yeah. So uh, the marketing funnel is looking at your audience mindset. So at at the highest level, somebody mightn't even be aware they have a problem. You and me, we were discussing just as an example, Mike's before uh, before our our interview, right? A lot of people mightn't even be aware that they have an issue with their mic. They they won't won't be able to hear it on their end, uh, so on, right? And like, let's say display ads that come up on a newspaper or banner ads, our social media is a great area to kind of let people know they have a problem. But at that stage, you can't expect them to buy. And we'd quite often have people come to us and say, our Facebook campaign isn't working. We've tried like three or four times, different audiences and things like that. And we go back and look at the message and the messages are always kind of like, we've got the best microphones, buy from us. This is the price. But the person still doesn't really understand that they need a microphone. So when you're looking at the the funnel, it's taking you through the mindset. So there's the people who don't know they need a microphone. Mm -hmm. Then there's the people who know they need a microphone, but think maybe they can wait till next year or they don't really need it just yet. Then mm-hmm. there's the people who know they need a microphone are in the market for one, but haven't actually made a decision on which one is the best one to get. And then even further down, there's people who've now made the decision and they know the exact microphone they want. And now they're shopping around for the price. And then once that person comes to your website, they need to be able to convert, become one of your customers, make additional purchases later on, whether it's a set of headphones or whatever else. And then they become a loyal customer and eventually a brand advocate as they start telling other people about how great your your service is. And that's really kind of the, the marketing funnel as a basic level. So it's people who don't understand they have a problem mm-hmm. and you have to try and educate them through your messaging that they have a problem. Then there's people who realize they have a problem, don't realize that they need your product now rather than in a year or two years time. So that's another educational message. Then you have the consideration stage, which again is educational, but it's getting a little bit salesy. So you can start introducing kind of price ranges, but it's an educational piece on the price range. So it's a little bit closer towards 
your 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 sales but then finally when they've chosen the product and they're out hunting for the price that's when you mm-hmm. can say you know we've got the best microphones here it is here's the microphone for you and this is the price and then they can come to your website and make the purchase and that's really how the marketing funnel works and the different sort of mindsets you have to be in when you're creating your ads and you need an ad for each funnel or each section of the funnel i've heard that called awareness right you're talking about essentially the customer's awareness right are they aware that they have a problem? Are they aware of what the problem is or when they need to solve that problem? Are they aware of how you can solve that type of thing? And I think it's so important because you use towards the end, some really useful words like strategy, or you need a different ad for each of those. Because I think sometimes when we throw messages out into the social marketing, or even the sort of advertising ether these days, it's just, let's just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. When in actuality, if, if someone like you can educate folks like me on, hey, this is an advertising campaign that we're going to put together. And each one of these ads reaches a different person in this sort of marketing funnel based on their awareness. They're going to be more successful and ultimately lead to conversion. Because if I'm talking to the person at the top of the funnel about the price, they don't have any idea why they need it, what their problem is. They're most likely not going to convert. Exactly. Yeah. And then that's where a lot of people, because those, those clicks tend to be quite cheap on Mm -hmm. Google and Facebook and because there's quite a a wide audience that you can reach. And then as people are getting closer to the, the, uh, the concept that they're ready to purchase, there is more competition coming in, driving up the cost, but there's also a smaller market that's ready to purchase right now. And then that's why the, you know, like terms on Google ads, like, you know, purchase microphone buy online, those sort of Mm -hmm. high value keywords, they tend to costs quite a lot more because you haven't had to pull somebody the whole way through the funnel. It's like a ready-made potential customer for you. Which makes a lot of sense because mathematically speaking, right, the funnel is is called a funnel because of its shape. And if you are sending out a message to already sort of motivated buyers that know what their problem is and know what they want to buy, it makes more sense that you're going to convert more percentage of them. So so by extension, the cost should be, be higher per click. And, and you need to be aware that like on those awareness campaigns that you're out your, your goal is never to sell. It's probably to get somebody into like a, an email campaign or to follow you on social media because they aren't going to be ready to buy next month or the month after. It's quite easily going to be six or 12 months or like even in like, you know, selling digital marketing, like it could be two or three years before somebody clicks and goes, yeah, I actually need to get this person in. Whether a microphone is, the, it's a lot shorter, the, the funnel. But that's something that people need to be aware of is, is that, your end goal on the awareness stage isn't to sell it's to get them to complete a secondary goal such as an email sign up or social media like or something like that and i love everything about that because as a relationship marketer sort of in the three-dimensional world as i like to call it versus on in the online world it's a long game you're not a relationship marketer to meet someone and just try to to hammer a sale through you want to nurture that person that relationship you do things to benefit one another that aren't always transactional or economically based and then eventually there might be some sort of economic transaction but i think a lot of people think i'm on the internet i'm on the internet to make money i'm on the internet to to get an immediate payback for my ad spend or my time and that's not the way it is either. You still have to nurture. And it goes to the point you sort of used a very common uh, marketing practice, and that's the no like trust. You have to you have to lead people down that path before they typically become your buyer. Yeah, that that's ex- exactly it. And you know, like we'll we'll quite often go into a company and we'll look at we'll reverse engineer that funnel. So we'll go, okay, who are the people who are going to purchase this straight away? And let's build, you know, a Google ad strategy and an SEO strategy for people who are 
physically looking for this item straight away. And then we'll go to the consideration stage where people are maybe researching, you know, at that stage, then we look at doing, you know, SEO, like content marketing or something like that. And also kind of nurturing their, their existing audiences on social media. And then the awareness stage above that, as I was saying, the kind of mass marketing kind of looking at, you know, social media, maybe some PR in a newspaper or something like that. So there's kind of a good mix in, in the awareness stage and, and some content planning then as well. But that's generally how we'd work. So since you're a digital marketing expert, I thought we would do a slightly deep dive. I, I know we don't have enough time to truly dig into all this, but I want to just highlight things like the popular terms, essentially SEO, Google rankings, you know, on-page SEO, which is content marketing, as I understand, and off-page SEO, which is backlinks and PR and technical SEO and all these. These are words that typically, I think, paralyze members of the older generation. And there's many of us, I'm going to say us because I'm Gen X. I'm not a millennial. I'm not digitally native. And there's even still people of slightly more advanced age in the, in the boomer generation that want to succeed both on and offline. And they see these words and they freak out. Can you just give us a, a sort of broad stroke? I know you can't deep dive, but give us a broad stroke of what these mean to us sort of in, in the real world. So on-page SEO is definitely nothing you should be scared of. It's just another term for really titles, descriptions, headings, and the physical content, right? And now, like, like I said, I could go deeper into it, but like mm -hmm. the basics are that you have a really good title for the page, contains your keyword that you want to rank for. Similarly with the description, Try to have your keyword in there if you can. But what you want to do is remember that the title and description are going to be your little advert on the Google ranking page. So mm -hmm. you want to try and entice somebody to click onto your page. So like terms like learn, learn more, I'm here, whatever. That's, you know, that's hugely important. So that's a, that's a quick question I would have for you. Do you have a, a soundbite for how you would tell someone, hey, here's a great step that you can do to find your best keyword or, or what is the tip that you have for titles or descriptions? Yeah, so there's like, we'd quite often use a variety of tools for keyword research, but one that I would recommend for people to use is Neil Patel's Uber Suggests. It's fantastic. It gives you search volume for your, your local area, but it also gives you a competitive score as to how hard it's possibly to rank for that particular term. So it'll, it'll be able to identify the keywords and then your title should be 60 characters long and your description should be 156 characters. And um, like some, some people kind of, there'll be arguments for and against over about five different characters. But if you, if you stick to 60 for the title and 156 for your description, you're, you're playing it fairly safe that you're, description title are more than likely going to be chosen to be displayed. Google might choose something else. It's kind of down to Google at the end of the day as to what they mm -hmm. think the user will click, but it definitely gives Google the right signals as to what you should be ranking for. The keywords are irrelevant when it comes to ranking. So you know that little metadata input, yeah. just so people are aware that that, that doesn't need to be filled out. Okay. Uh, Google doesn't look at that. So yeah. That's really interesting because I think most people like are keyword stuffing that section thinking that they're kind of enticing the algorithm, right? That that's bait, but it's really not. It's more, I've heard content is king. I know that's a, a pretty overused cliche now, but you really is saying is your title, your description and the content that you actually write. And keyword stuffing is not a good idea from what I understand. You need to write intelligibly, not trying to use your keyword a million times to just try to attract the algorithm. Is that accurate as well? Oh, uh, like a hundred percent. Like I, I'd have a model here that like write for a human first, review your text as the search engine and then proofread it finally as a human again before it goes live. Like that's my 
kind of motto. If anybody ever asks me, that's what, that's my soundbite for the, the content. I love that. So say it again. So write like a human. Write like, write for a human, review it as a search engine, read it as a human again at the end, after you've made those search engine changes, just to make sure it reads correctly. You know? Wow. That's great. I, I mean, that's the, that's the kind of things that I think some of us need if we're going to sort of DIY some of this before we engage yeah. with a marketing professional. So quickly, let's talk about off-page SEO, which we've talked about backlinks and PR. So let's talk a little bit about those. Yeah. So this is, so there's three elements to ranking your, your site, on-page, off-page and technical, like we've been saying. But uh-huh. off-page, I think, is the most important out of all of them. It's where Google's algorithm originally came from. And it basically is how many other websites are referencing your site. So uh-huh. if your website, for example, linked back to mine, that would mm-hmm. give Google a vote and saying, I trust this website and the content that I'm linking to here. So the more backlinks you have and the higher quality they are, the more authority you have to rank within the results page. So it's not necessarily a quantity game. Mm-hmm. It's more of a quality, but you can also you can also kind of game it a little bit if you're if you've got good quality and a lot of quantity. So you mightn't have to have as many links as somebody else. And if your links are very high quality, then you you might rank ahead somebody else. I got to tell you that you heard it here first, folks, that what Ronan, a digital marketing expert, just told me is essentially the Google algorithm is a relationship marketer in a sense, because it's looking for high quality connections from other trusted sources in order to increase the sort of validity of your content. Is that accurate? That's a hundred percent it. Yeah. And where, like, if you think about how Google came about, it was the Larry Page came up with it when he was in college. And I, I, you can almost picture him sitting in a library, wondering where the best articles were to cite in a research paper he was doing. And he was going, if this article cited more, well, then I can trust that more. And that's exactly mm. what the algorithm is based on. Wow, that's super interesting. So the third, so that's the most important. So the on-page, I would think would probably be the lowest hanging fruit because we write that, we create that, and we can use the tool you talked about to, to sort of help us pick keywords. The off-page is basically about ensuring that your site is being referenced by other sites, which means people featuring you on their blog, finding different ways to create incoming traffic to your site. And then the last one is probably the hardest to talk about. So maybe we can just touch on it. And that's the technical SEO. Yeah. So there's a few tools and maybe I might, I might send you over some links afterwards, but there's like things like Google search console, which will let you see how Google is actually crawling your site page speed insights. Uh, like Google loves a fast website because it's really good for users, but also it saves them loads of basically server space. That's, I personally think that that's the real reason they love uh, fast websites, but it, it's, it's also obviously really good for users. So there's page speed insights that will tell you, you know, how fast your site is going. It'll give you actionable tips that you can do to try and improve them. Some of them might be double Dutch, but you know, it won't cost much to go to a developer and, and get those sorted out. So if you have a very poor page speed score, that's something you need to see to straight away. And then there's loads of other different things. Like when you start getting into e-commerce SEO, it gets very in-depth, but there's things like canonical URLs. So when Google hits a page, you, you might necessarily want that page to rank inadvertently redirecting Google, but only Google through a canonical URL and, th- and things like that. So there's kind of, it's, it's making sure that 
when Google comes to your site, it's able to crawl it effectively and the way mm-hmm. that you expect it to crawl it. Because quite often it might come in through, a, you know, a, a tag that you have that you mightn't have even thought somebody could access the site through. I mean, it mightn't look at tabbed content or something like that. So it's really mm-hmm. important to have your technical aspects set up so that you can explain to Google how you expect your site to rank. Here's the way that I'm going to create an analogy out of that is in the world of owning an automobile, right? As related to kind of the concept of SEO, I see on page is washing my car, right? I can do that very easily. I can, I can wash my car and make it look pretty off page might be something like changing your oil, right? Just a, a minimum amount of tools and knowledge and you can do it. Sounds like the technical SEO is a little bit more like rebuilding your engine or replacing your carburetor or something like that. And so maybe that's best left to the professionals and engaging with somebody like you. Yeah, no, that that's it. It's in fact, it, what it's probably more like is like in today's modern cars, when you go to the garage and they plug in a computer and mm-hmm. they're, they're able to look at a screen and go, this is what's wrong. That's probably more what technical SEO is like these days. I rebuilt an 86 Jeep. So my mind is still in mechanical space, but that is a great analogy, right? Because you need the right tools in order and the right knowledge in order to work on today's cars. And that's what we're talking about is, is digital marketing. So here, what I want to do is break it down as we wrap up. I, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are business owners and entrepreneurs, a lot of them in the event and service industries. So what would be some of the key takeaways that you could say where people spend most of their energy in order to get the most return or what tips do you have for if you're a business owner or an operator, this is what I recommend you do as an individual to sort of maximize your return on time and investment. Yeah, that's a surprisingly loaded question. <laughs> well, you could take it wherever you want. And, and, and I will tell the audience, you know, we're really trying to stuff probably a week's worth of content into a, a weekly podcast. And so I'll be happy to invite you back, Ronan, and we can dig a little deeper into some of these concepts. But Take it where you want for as yeah. far as, as what they can benefit. So I'd, I'd go back to the marketing funnel and I'd start there with my, we're kind of developing my strategy and understanding my users' pain points and really understanding how my service delivers value to that person, right? So, but the great thing about pain points is, is that if you can understand the top three things that are keeping your client awake at night, you can develop a content plan around that because that's what they're going to be Googling. It's, you know, like they, they will have high value keywords, like, you know, like buy, buy a microphone online, like we were talking earlier on, but there'll be things that are in the back of their head that they'll be Googling such as, you know, how do I fix my mic on Zoom? Like those sort of things are what mm-hmm. people are going to be Googling before they decide to actually purchase a microphone. So if you can identify what those pains are, it'll really lead a really solid strategy for you. So that's the first thing I'd, I'd say is get out there, ask your customers, you know, what was it that triggered them in order to buy a microphone? What was the, the action or the, the situation that came up that, that prompted them to do that? From there then, you know, make sure your, your on-page SEO is obviously top notch. You're doing content marketing. Um, and by content marketing, I mean long form that you're answering all of the different questions that they might have. There's a great tool. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll send it over as a link called Answer the Public. So I'll send that over as well. And that kind of tells you what questions people are asking online about certain keywords. And that would be hugely important. And then once you have your content done, you know, get out there and tell as many people about your product as you can. Get, get on as a, as a guest on 
a blog or wherever it is or do a content swap with maybe some people who are in a similar industry as you and just try and, and build and reach as many people as you can. And if you still aren't ranking, go in for a diagnostic analysis and you know there might be some technical issue there. Uh, most SEO agencies will tell you straight away if there's an issue, you know, like if you come to me and you just want me to take a quick look at your site and see if there's anything major, I'll be able to tell you within, you know, five minutes basically of looking at it if there's something right or wrong with us. So let me ask you, we talked about the marketing funnel and the marketing flywheel, just because I think there's probably some great, great tips there as well. What's the marketing flywheel for those that don't know? So the marketing flywheel is, uh, we did, we, we just kind of skimmed it at the start, but it's basically, they say the marketing flywheel is going to replace the marketing funnel. I honestly believe that it's actually going to be very complimentary. I don't think it's going to replace it because the funnel is all about getting new clients in. The flywheel is all about using your existing clients and trying to like it's partly trying to attract people. And then that's kind of one element of your marketing funnel coming in, attracting those new people, but making sure that, you know, the onboarding is perfect, that the salesperson is aligned with customer service or the service department or whoever that is. And the service department is aligned with follow-up people, whoever that is, whether it's sales or you have kind of after sales or something like that. And basically what you want is your your business working like a well-oiled machine. And mm-hmm. how it works is kind of similar to a flywheel firework, you know, like where you light those three corners and they spin around really fast. And basically, the more things that are going wrong in your business, are they're, they're called friction points. So the more mm-hmm. times a customer can potentially have a bad experience and you don't make it as easy as possible, well, that slows down the flywheel. So if you have people going round and round and round, right? The idea is, is that each one of those will go out and attract more customers. But mm-hmm. as you have more and more friction, they're not getting are they're not rotating on your flywheel as frequently. So it means it's harder for people to actually come back and refer your you business, but it's also mm-hmm. slowing down the whole system. So you want to try and have a well-oiled machine that is producing like referrals. And we need to be kind of looking at that as well as our marketing funnel that everything's working in there because obviously if somebody has a bad experience, like I think it is a one, one bad experience can be, can have like 11 touch points, whether a good experience will only have four or five. So it's really important that you're, you're aware of that for your business and how, how it all kind of gels together. And I love the fact that it seems like the funnel is, is sort of strategically focused on customer acquisition, customer management, awareness, all that type of stuff. But this, this flywheel concept also adds in a lot of the operational and experience-based things, right? Customer experience has been a really, really hot term especially in the events and hospitality industry for a really long time. And so it's kind of neat to see, I would agree with you. I'm not a marketing expert. I'm, I'm a business operator and a coach, but I would say that ultimately those things would work hand in hand rather than one sort of cannibalizing the other. Yeah. 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 That, that's exactly it. Yeah. Cause one uh, attracts customers and then the other one's focusing on keeping them and the like HubSpot are really pushing the marketing flywheel at the minute, but like I, I think that it, like they're correct here because as you said, it's something that we don't pay attention to. But a lot of people attain new customers and then we completely forget about them and go out and focus on the new customer, whether mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to retain or potentially gain new customers from those customers that we've already gained. So I got to tell you, from being a business owner and operator for 15 years now almost, loyalty is one of the most important things to us because it's it's easier and more cost effective to keep a loyal customer or get a new customer from one of those champions yeah. than it is to try to go out and find a cold customer. So I'm really excited that we shared 
sort of everything from the technical know-how to the sort of business principles and marketing principles that used to exist and how we can can relate them to digital marketing. As we wrap up, I typically end the podcast with something fun and light because a lot of times we talk about really heavy stuff. Don't stress out. It's called the lightning round. I'm going to ask you two or three questions and you're just supposed to answer right off the top of your head. Okay. And since I know a little bit about Ireland, I'm going to ask you what your favorite football club is. Well, it'd be Monster, Monster Rugby, I would think. Okay. So it's not, yeah. it's not a soccer football club. It's a rugby club. It's a rugby club. Yeah. Uh, rugby is, is a, is a man's sport for certain. Okay. So your favorite pint, what would you have? Oh, Guinness. Oh yes. Yeah, and it yeah. tastes different in Ireland. I don't care who says it doesn't. It tastes totally different in Ireland. hundred percent. Yeah. I drank yeah. more Guinness on the aisle. I always say that I go to Ireland to drink and I go to Italy to eat if I'm going to travel. <laughs> so, well, listen, uh, let's talk about where people can find you. You identified that your LinkedIn is your social media profile of choice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to put all these links in the show notes for those of you that want to research Ronan, and you should, because here's the deal. If you go to his website, digitaltrawler.com, which again, will be in the show notes, there's a lot of information there. But also if you go to digitaltrawler.com slash resources, there's a ton of free resources for people to pull down to talk about some of these more technical terms that we talked about. His company also has a page on Facebook under Digital Trawler. Before we go, is there anything else you want to add for the audience, Ronan? No, I think I think that's it. Like if anybody has any sort of follow-on questions, feel free to reach out. As I said at the start, I, I just love to talk about marketing. So if anybody has any sort of question that they'd like to follow up with, I'd be more than happy to help. All right, you guys heard it here. Ronan is very gracious with his time and his knowledge and his experience. So you can find him most likely if you want to ask him those questions, I would uh, pop in on him on LinkedIn and uh, take a look at his website. Because like I said, those those resources are some of the things I looked at and they were very helpful, not only in this interview to try to, to get my bearings, but also in my, in my content creation. So Ronan, I'm going to say it right now. I'm likely going inter- to interview you again. I'm going to invite you back. I would love to have you chat because I think some of the things that we just touched on, we could go into to deeper detail. Would you be willing to do that with us? Yeah, no, I think that'd be great. Yeah, I think we we kind of skimmed over a lot of stuff today. And as you said, you know, there's a whole week's worth, worth of content here. So yeah, no, be be fantastic. Wonderful. Thanks yeah. so much. All right. With that, thank you all for being part of the People First and Profit Revolution. You can visit all of my stuff at peoplefirstandprofit.com. Uh, with that, we're going to let Adam Wilmore take us out of here. Thanks again for being here, Ronan. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the People First and Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstandprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First and Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.